All Things New. Come on, isn't that exciting? If you are new here, welcome, and if you're not new, you know God is doing a new thing here, and there is something that God is doing, and I just want to thank Pastor Doug and Pastor Randy for leading us in worship and communion. Uh, God is so good, isn't he? And when we remember who Jesus is and we glorify him, it makes all the difference. And it is a, a new season. We're in a 21-day fast right now, and uh, we've gone through the first week. And so if you're like, oh, I missed it, no problem. It isn't about the number of days. It's about us leaning in and participating together. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. We have over 300 people signed up and receiving our e-blast every day with the 21-day devotional. It is awesome what God is doing. And so you can sign up for that at pathwayvb.com fast. And uh, get on that email list and be a part of that. The, e the, the fast in this series is anchored in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Last week we looked at verse 18, which talked about let go, forget the former things, don't remember them, and begin to look forward. And that's where we pick up today is in verse 19, which says this. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And we today are going to focus on the first half of verse 19 and look at what does it mean that God is doing a new thing? I don't know about you, but often as I enter into a new year, I'm hoping something new happens. But if I'm honest, I don't like change. Anybody else? Like you want something new but you don't necessarily want change because that might mean that we need to change. And as we look at this verse, God is, I believe, saying to us, as he was saying through the prophet Isaiah to God's people, hey, I'm getting ready to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. It's going to come forth in a way you didn't see it coming, you didn't expect it, and yet there it is. Do you perceive it? Do you actually see it? Do you perceive and understand what I'm doing? God is alive, he is active, and he is at work in our world, despite some of the things we see on the news and in the social media. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I believe that there are things that God is springing forth in, and what a fast does in a time of intentional prayer and listening to the Lord is it begins to open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that we can perceive it. There's actually a gentleman, Dr. Bill Bright, that in regards to fasting said this. He said, fasting as a purifying discipline helps us draw closer to him and surrender our will to his ways. That fasting draws us closer to God so we can begin to perceive the new thing that he's doing and surrender our will to what he's doing. Are you with me? Y'all, I just did a cannonball into the deep end. I, okay? I, I, I'm not warming up the crock pot today. I, I'm just jumping in. Because I do believe that God through this season is going to say, hey, I've got something new. And I want you to surrender your will and your way to what I have for you, to what I'm doing next. Amen. This verse in Isaiah 43 is given to them at a time when God's getting to break through into the nation of Israel. They had been in captivity. They had come against an empire called Babylon. Actually, that empire came against them and won. And, and so they've been dealing with this, and what's happening is God is beginning to orchestrate a new exodus out of exile, that God was actually going to move his people from one season to another, and that new exodus was going to be marked by a few things according to the prophet Isaiah. The first is forgiveness, that, that actually when God's kingdom comes and it begins to work in our world, it orchestrates forgiveness. It begins in our life as we look to Jesus and what he forgives in our life, but then also begins to extend to those around us. Forgiveness is a part of what God is doing. 
then and now. Second thing is restoration. You see, when, God, when forgiveness begins to happen, people begin to reconcile and there's restoration. And that actually, and especially in a season like this, begins to give hope to the world around us that if those people can forgive and be restored, what could God do in my life? Church, we have a vital role to play just like they did in today's divided country and world. So this new exodus would be marked by forgiveness and restoration. And then the third thing, which is the key really to the whole thing, is God's presence. That we have a God who, from the beginning of time in the garden, said, I want to be present with my people. I want relationship with them. I want to do life with you. I want to walk with you. I want to empower you. I want to use you. I want to build new community. I want you to experience the goodness of my presence. And when Jesus comes, oh, y'all, he showed up. He brought the victory. He brought not just his death and resurrection, but the opening of the door for the giving of the Holy Spirit. That you and I would receive the presence of God as believers in our life. Come on. God is saying the same thing to us today that he was to them. That my new thing is going to be marked by forgiveness. By restoration. By this reality of my presence among my people. And so as we look at this and dive into it. Turn with me to Luke 23. If you're a note taker, the first point I want to make, because again, the question that was asked by the prophet was, do you perceive it? Because while all of those things I just shared with you are true, it doesn't mean that we are in lockstep and perceiving what God is actually saying and doing. And so in Luke 23, if you're taking notes, our perception does not or can distort God's reality. That our perception can actually distort God's reality. That sometimes, maybe, we're not seeing things through God's lens. That sometimes, maybe, we're not hearing things with God ear, God's ears, or having God's heart, that actually our perception can sometimes distort God's reality. And we're going to look to the cross and get clarity today. So in Luke 23, we're going to pick up, Jesus is on the cross, we're in verse 32. It says, two others who are criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull. There they crucified him. So they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you picture this? Jesus on the cross, completely innocent, the son of God. On his right, a criminal that deserved it. On his left, a criminal that deserved it. In that, he's saying, Father, forgive them. Forgiveness is key to what Jesus does again in his kingdom. It says they cast lots. So the crowd now is casting lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him, Sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. They had placed that there in multiple languages because they wanted to make sure nobody missed that if you think Jesus is the king, here's what we do in the Roman Empire to your king. Verse 39 One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You have a crowd, you have soldiers, you have people there, one on either side of him. 
And they're not perceiving what is actually happening. They're actually missing who Jesus is. They're missing in this moment how he is moving and the forgiveness that is offered. I just wonder how many times we also are missing what God is doing. There's a story I love. I've shared it before, publicly not here, but it's one of my favorite stories because I just love social experiments, uh, which by the way, I'm not like doing any social experiments on you right now, okay, to be clear. Uh, but I'm, I'm always just fascinated by people. And, and, and there was a social experiment done back in 2007. The Washington Post decided, Let, let's try something. Let, let's see if people in the busyness and the hurriedness of their life will notice something incredible in their midst that's out of place and they wouldn't normally expect. And so just on a regular day in 2007, they took a gentleman named Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell is a world-renowned violinist, considered a protege and one of the best ever. And they said, Joshua, we're going to actually, we know you just sold out an arena in our town. We know that people just paid a hundred and a hundred, uh, upwards of $150 per ticket in a sold out arena to come watch you play your three and a half million dollar violin. This wasn't just a professional, this was one of the best ever that was selling out arenas in this very town. He was playing on a three and a half million dollar violin and they decided we're gonna put you next to the Metro subway in a baseball cap and see if people recognize and perceive the greatness among them. Here is a picture on the left of Joshua that day in 2007 playing in the subway like anybody else might that was looking for a little hustle, you know, a little bit of money on the side. The other picture is of him in one of those event centers, those halls where he had sold it out. Here's what's fascinating. The day that they did this for the couple hours of the, him playing that violin, there were 1,070 people that went by Joshua Bell playing his violin. There were out of that 1,070, only seven that paused, that stopped, that perceived with their ears and saw with their eyes that there was greatness among them. There's a lot that that social experiment has to say to us in general in our hurried American society. There's also some things it may have to say to us spiritually about how we're running by, walking by, missing what God is doing and missing people around us. You see, the two thieves, one of them had misperceived who Jesus was and what he was up to. The other, let's see how he responds here. In verse 30. 940, I'm sorry, it says, but the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The forgiveness of God, even in the 11th hour, even in a moment where you would say, wait, he was getting what he deserved. He was getting what he had earned. But yet God's heart, Jesus's heart for forgiveness is there and is present. See, it's amazing what the cross does. The cross creates clarity. It creates a clarity about who we are and who we're not. It also begins to invite us to see clearly those around us. It invites us into new community. He was telling this, this thief that, that was there that, listen, because you've asked me for mercy, because you've asked me for grace, because you've asked me for forgiveness, my love is unconditional. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, but it's here for you. And as a result, you're going to enter in to my kingdom. 
And that kingdom is filled with people that are sinners in need of a savior. It is filled with people that don't look like you and me, but are desperately in need of Jesus. Church, that is good news. That is gospel news. That the cross of Jesus Christ, that the central message of it is, listen, we all come to the foot of the cross. Sinners in need of a Savior. And and I just need to poke for a minute. On any pride, on any sense of self-righteousness, to say, listen, there is nothing that we can do to earn the grace of God. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his love. And maybe we didn't do things like that thief that, that would justify our penalty on a cross, but we've still fallen short of the glory of God. And when we get that kind of clarity and we realize who Jesus is, it's a game changer. It's a game changer because we begin to embrace the cross and the new community it creates. Because this is part of what he told the man. Listen, to get today you'll be with me in paradise, in my kingdom. And God's kingdom is not just about me, and it's not just about you. It's about us. It's about the people of God over the histories, the, the generations of God's movement of doing a new thing. There's a man that was forever changed by the cross in the New Testament. A man who deserved not the grace of God, but a man who deserved judgment. That man's name was the Apostle Paul. That that actually Paul was persecuting Christians. He, He was coming against the movement of God out of a religious zeal. He wasn't perceiving or seeing what God was up to. He actually, in his ignorance, had tried to stop what Jesus was doing. And then on the Damascus Road, he had a vision of Jesus. Call it a vision, an angel, but but the Lord showed up, whatever you want to call it. God sprung forth and spoke to him in such a way that he was so changed that he began to look at the world through the vision of Jesus and the cross. God began to use him to bring people into God's kingdom by pointing them to the cross and to the new community that God creates. And you better believe there were some religious folks that were sitting around going, hmm, wait a minute. Isn't that the guy that just put Uncle Robbie and Aunt Sally in jail? Isn't that the guy? There's no Uncle Robbie and Aunt Sally in the scriptures, by the way. Isn't that the guy that was persecuting us? What is going on? And church, I just want to help us wrestle with the good news in a way that says that that we aren't going to miss what God might be wanting to do. You see, Paul was so changed that in Galatians 3, check out what he says in verses 25 through 29. His identity had so changed because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Says in verse 25 of Galatians 3, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Through what? Our works? Correct me, church. Let's go. Wake up online too. Drop some comments. They ain't doing it here right now. No, it's through faith. Through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now check out what this means. When we put on Christ, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, 
There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, under my cross, that the foot of the cross is the most level ground. You all come to me, you look around and you realize that regardless of your bank account, regardless of the color of your skin, that you are all one in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? He's saying, listen. This is what the cross does. In verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to a promise. Oh my goodness, that is such good news. Paul is saying, listen, your identity was once confused and misled, but when you begin to perceive who I am and what I'm doing, I give you a new identity in Christ. And when you then have a new identity of Christ, you begin to look around and see the image of God in other people. People that you might not normally get along with, people that you might actually see divided division from in your past, but guess what? Now you're brothers and sisters. Now you're learning how to do life together. Now you're learning how to see new community. And not only that, when he says in that last verse about Abram, Father Abraham, that actually there's blessing that flows, an inheritance that flows, that not only do we have the identity in Christ, and not only do we see the image of God in others, but now we have a new inheritance. And we are on equal footing with this new inheritance. Whether we were born into or earned money, or whether we have very little, he's saying you have a new inheritance together. And that is a beautiful thing. Church, that is a message that is, feels like it may be a new thing in this season, but it goes back thousands of years because that's who our God is. A little over 50 years ago, a man named Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. actually stood two miles from our Capitol building on the Lincoln Memorial, and he delivered a message to the nation that said, I have a dream. A speech that many of us have heard and are aware of. It's probably the most powerful speech that he delivered and one of the most well-known in American history. Dr. King is honored tomorrow with a national holiday. Oftentimes, we forget that he was a man of faith that actually called on the church, both white and black, in that season in the 60s, to believe the truth of this beloved community that our God creates. And I got to tell you, I absolutely believe that not only does his legacy need to live on, but his church needs to live in to that vision. That actually, in a time like this in our country, that is so divided, Jesus is the answer. And the Holy Spirit and the way he knits us together is what the community God intended to create is, is really meant to be. So do we perceive it? I'm going to invite you for a few minutes here to actually hear a fresh reading of I Have a Dream. Multiple generations, multiple ethnicities, because here's the thing. God's kingdom vision is for a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, missional people that will come together and live out the goodness of the gospel. And so, yeah, that's enough. Let's just play it. Let's just play it and then we'll go from there. My country, tea. 
say to you today, my friends. I say to you today, my friends. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I still have a dream. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men all people are created are equal. Toda la gente fue creada igual. I have a dream that one day, on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice. Sweltering with the heat of oppression. Will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little I children. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Yo tengo un sueño hoy. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is our faith. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords the of our nation into a jangling of discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we'll be able to work together, a trabajar juntas y juntos, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail to together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. My this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with a new meaning, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrims' pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Que suene la libertad. Let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. This must become this true. This must become true. This must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that. But not only that. Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain in Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and every molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day. We'll be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of that old Negro spirit. Free at last. Free at last. Finalmente libres. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. God is so good. And the tears that I'm, I'm not an actor, you need to know that first and foremost. 
Anytime you see this, it's something God's doing in my heart. And I know God's hand is on this church to be that kind of church and community. And it's going to be a new thing that springs forth and emerges. And what breaks my heart in the tears right now are the fact that that speech was delivered 52, 53 years ago. Church, we got to find our voice. We got to live into the gospel. We got to be who God called and created us to be so another generation doesn't slip by and miss the goodness of God in his kingdom. I believe we can do better. Tim Keller, a pastor and an author, says this about the gospel and about change. He says, all change comes from deepening your understanding of the salvation of Christ and living out the, of the changes that understanding creates in your heart. Faith in the gospel restructures our motivations, our self-understanding, our identity, and our view of the world. That's what the gospel does. And I want to give you in these next few minutes something to, to hold on to, something to grab onto. Because I believe your hearts are saying yes today. You're saying, I didn't see this coming, I didn't perceive it, but I know God wants to do this. What does that mean for me? Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we see this incredible story unfold. A man named Philip, who's an evangelist. Um, he, he's not just, an evangelist is somebody who shares about the gospel and the good news. And, and Philip has been doing that in Jerusalem. Persecution happens, and he now finds himself in Samaria. And in Samaria, a place that was once considered the despised people, he begins to see God moving. That, that Philip's ministry begins booming, that, that people are being drawn to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is being poured out and Philip has got it going on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like he has a ministry that has grown and has a platform. He has no reason to begin to do a new thing. A new thing already seems to be happening. And here shows up God through an angel, inviting him to follow him yet again to see another new thing happen. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Can you picture this? Can you see what's happening here? You have this moment where Philip is told, leave it all. I want you to leave the platform and the, the big booming thing you've been a part of. And I want you to follow me out onto this road. I want you to rise and go. And so right now, I want you to rise. Just do it. Just play along with me. Will you rise? If you're online watching and you're not driving a car, go ahead and rise. <laughs> he, he's saying, listen, I want you to rise because I'm going to move you. I'm going to send you. I'm going to tell you to go somewhere new. And it may not make sense to you yet, but I want you to rise and go. So he goes down this road. You can have a seat now. And, and he actually goes and finds a man. I just wanted to make sure you were capable of rising, by the way. You are, and it's going to be good. And so he, he goes and he finds this man who's reading from the prophet Isaiah now, this Ethiopian eunuch is a ruler that is headed back. He's been worshiping God in Jerusalem the only way he knows how. He's headed back on the, the last road into northern Africa. 
Can you imagine if Philip missed that moment? If anybody says the gospel isn't for all people, I'm showing you right now, right in the beginning, that the gospel mattered enough to Philip and to God that he brought it to this Ethiopian eunuch who then carried it into northern Africa in Acts chapter 8. Come on, y'all. So it says that the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? How much of our world feels that way right now? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So can you picture it? Rise and go. Now you're going to go sit and you're going to share. You're going to lean in and listen to this man. You're going to show him love. And as you do that, that conversation is going to give you an opportunity to share the gospel. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. This is actually a quote from Isaiah 53. He was reading that scroll. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away to the next thing. You see, the God of the past is at work in the present. The same God who was at work then is at work now. And that same God is going to invite you and I, just like he did to Philip, to say, hey, you're going to rise and go. You may now go into places and spaces that you haven't been before, but as you go, you're going to be somebody who actually listens and loves The first act of biblical love, Dallas Willard said, is the giving of attention. He gives attention to this man and says, what are you reading? Do you understand it? What does that look like in your daily life? Oh yeah, I'm getting up in your calendar right now. I am. I'm getting up in that calendar to say, what does this look like? For you to say, God, I want you to do a new thing. I want to believe in that vision. I want to see you move. And to be so open to God and to others that you can rise and go, that you can learn and love. And that the third thing, you can sit and share. See, there's a world that is hungry, hungry and desperate to see something different right now. And this man, as God began to spring forth and do a new thing, said, what's keeping me from being baptized? You know what I love about that moment? Philip's response must have been, nothing. Nothing. If this is what God is doing, then let's get in step with God. Yeah, we can disciple you later and make sure you understand all of this. We we can help empower you and walk with you and educate you and help you walk into the truth of the gospel. But there is nothing, none of our traditions, none of our methods, none of our ways of doing things that is going to get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing right now, uh, Ethiopian eunuch. Hey, here's the ditch. Let's, Let's baptize you. I believe that God has so much more ahead. He hasn't returned yet. And he said we would do greater works than he would. And so I want to challenge you today. Do you believe the God of the past is still present? Do you believe that he's saying to his people, hey, I want you to rise and go. I want you to listen and learn. I want you to love people that that in Philip's and the Ethiopian eunuch's case, they didn't come from the same tribe or nationality. But look what God did. 
And I want us to believe that the cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel good news, is enough. It is enough. That it absolutely, when it gets deep within our hearts, the simple gospel is enough to transform any life and to transform community. So three questions for you, three next step questions to ask you today. The first is, how is the cross bringing clarity to your reality today? Whether you're online or in person, maybe you've been like one of the thieves on the cross, ridiculing, waiting, saying, God, if you're real, show yourself. God, if you're real, do something. Let me ask you if you're The cross is saying, hey, I want you to be like the thief that looked at Jesus and the cross and said, that is the thing. That is what I've been missing. That is what I need. What is the cross giving you clarity on today? Secondly, how do you need to obey God's promptings today? Being open like Philip was means that God's going to prompt you. God's going to say, hey, here's somebody I want you to pray for. Here's somebody I want you to talk to. Here's somewhere I want you to go. You may not even understand what's going to happen because can you imagine Philip going, wait a minute, God, you want me to leave this booming ministry? Do you know who I am? You want me to leave that to go out on this lonely road? To overtake a chariot? I don't know what God's going to ask you to do, but I surely know that our God is still in the business of prompting his people. It's one of the greatest gifts. Jesus said, I came to bring life and life abundantly. You know when it becomes abundant? is when we say yes to the adventure of following Jesus. When you don't know what every day is going to look like because you know what your calendar says, but you don't know what God might show up in. He's got a new thing he wants to do. Will you obey the promptings? And the third thing, Is there anyone that you already know who they are? God's already highlighted a name or a face. And he's saying, hey, just like Philip, I want you to rise and go. I want you to listen and love. I want you to sit and share. I want you to help them understand how good Jesus is. And for some of us, that may mean we begin with forgiveness, with restoration, with inviting God's presence into that relationship. Church, there are some exciting days ahead. Our God is doing a new thing. Not just here at Pathway, but I believe in our nation. The conditions are ripe for revival. And that revival will lead people to the foot of the cross. And that's where I want to lead us right now. So we're going to just pray together. The altar is going to be open. God's been speaking to you. How are you going to respond? The song we're going to sing is New Wine. Part of what God does during a fast is He makes us new and He pours something new in. I don't know about you, but that's what I want more than anything. So Father, we love you and we praise you. We are absolutely in awe, Jesus, of who you are. Father, we want to look to the cross for clarity today. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your mercy and your love and your forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for the way that we are then able to share that with those around us. And our hearts, my heart is breaking, Lord. Because I know you're looking for a church that's open. That's saying, do a new thing. And I believe, God, it is springing forth all over our country, even as I speak. And I'm asking, God, that you would do it here. So, Father, we come to you now. Not for another church moment, but for the movement of your spirit. Pour yourself out and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
The altars are open. Let's stand and worship. Let's come to Him. He's doing a new thing. church <laughs> and yeah I just want to honor what the Lord is doing in this place and what he's doing in our hearts 
God is moving. Uh, the lights are on. If you know what that means, that means we had a couple of people come to faith and uh, community and, and all of those things are being shaped and formed by the gospel. And we're so glad that you're here and a part of it. Um, the altars can continue. You can stay there if you're praying and if you're here and you want to come forward after, we'll stay and pray with you. We would love to pray with you. If you're online and, and you've made a decision today or you need prayer, let our hosts know. As we get ready to go, let's think about what are our next steps. Let us know how we as a church can help. We'll be here this Wednesday for Better Together Wednesdays. We'd love to see you again. If you're a guest, you can come to our Welcome Center. We've got a gift for you and would love to follow up. Offering can be done online or in the boxes as you go. Did you know when you let go of your money, God does incredible things? When you put him first with your finances, God blesses. It's an act of worship. If you're a guest, the service is a gift. But if you're not a guest, as a follower of Jesus, test him, Malachi 3.10 says. See if he won't throw open the floodgates. Father, we love you and praise you. God, I just sense hearts that are open and ready. And so God, this week we pray for God promptings, moments from you, that just like Philip, we could say yes, we could rise and go. We could listen and love. We could sit and share. Father, we invite you to continue to do a new thing as we follow you. For anybody that made a decision for you today, I pray for protection from the enemy this week and for their hunger and thirst for you to be filled. God, we thank you again for what you are doing. Jesus, you are the hope of the world. And as we walk through this week in our nation, we are going to follow you and we're going to give your hope to the world around us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.